Hello and welcome to Scurvy Companions, the No Sweat Shakespeare podcast. My name is Emily, and today I'll be interviewing Wesley Matlock. Wesley is the project manager for eNotes.com and an avid reader of whatever he can get his hands on. Before life in editing and publishing, he spent many years teaching English language arts from Moscow, Russia to Seattle, Washington. Wesley works with a team of literature enthusiasts who seek to make reading and teaching literature as enjoyable and rewarding as possible. In addition to his work with eNotes, Wesley enjoys gardening, coffee, and talking about speculative fiction with Chris and Oren on the Mythcreants podcast. Today we'll be talking with Wesley about the mechanics of an online literature Q&A site, one slightly different from our own, how Shakespeare is taught in schools, and how the bard can be used as a point of critique for modern literary genres like science fiction. So without further ado, here is Wesley. Hi there, Wesley. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me on, Emily. Absolutely. So, Wesley, you work with enotes.com, which is a literary educational website. Uh, you are the, correct me if I'm wrong, project manager, uh, managing editor, and curriculum editor. So you have a lot of roles over there. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what enotes is? Um, sure. Yeah. Um, I'm, I wear many hats. My <laughs> bosses joke that I'm that there should be a job title called Factotum, um, which is kind of cool. I, <laughs> You know, nod, maybe somebody should create it or I'll just do that. But do it. <laughs> um, yeah, as you mentioned, um, eNotes um, really started out back in like 98 as a website that I think was called all, like, allaboutshakespeare.com. And then Brad and Alex, the founders, just slowly kind of built it up. There's this, it started with Shakespeare and then they started piling on like all about Poe. And then suddenly eNotes became like, well, we've got like everything about all these books and all these things. And really it turned into a website that specializes in Q&A and study materials for primarily literature, but we have plenty of stuff on the humanities in general, um, some math and sciences and stuff. And this is made possible through some uh, licensing partnerships with publishers, but mostly to this just strong community of like phenomenal educators um, who give us just accurate, high quality information about pretty much any book or any question. Um, and sometimes the questions come from the students on our website. Sometimes we'll do our own internal research for them to like, you know, answer questions. It's just kind of a cool system that they've built up. That's so fantastic. I love that you've created something that's so interactive and so educational at the same time. That's that's amazing. Yeah. When when did that shift uh, away from from Shakespeare and toward everything else kind of take place? I'm not exactly sure, but I think it was definitely probably between, you know, uh, 2005, 2010, sure. um, I imagine that. And then the Q&A part of the website really started taking off, I think around like maybe 2013, maybe a little before that. Uh, and then we kicked it into high gear um, around 2015. And then it just haven't looked back. It's just become such like a, a cool thing to do for us because you know, our the main mission of eNotes is that we want to, you know, share knowledge and trusted resources so that education's mm. more accessible. And so people have tons of questions. Uh, they need help. Um, we don't do your homework for you. We try to educate you um, mm. and provide those services, you know, as uh, ubiquitously as possible. Um, and so we definitely are trying to uphold some standards and we find that, you know, just 
literature is important and reading is important to creating like an ethical, uh, thoughtful, a just society. And we just want to try to help empower people. Um, and to that end, uh, our, our most notable partnership that we have is actually with a, an organization called Room to Read. Uh, and they're a global nonprofit um, that focus on helping children in low-income communities on uh, developing like literacy and gender equality in education. And so we always donate um, proceeds from our subscriptions to Room to Read uh, every quarter. Oh, that's um, fantastic. The, yeah, we feel really good about that. Uh, doing, you know, we, we donate to like the parks here in Seattle and things like that, but it's nice to be helping out a global organization that's really dedicated to the causes that we find so important. Absolutely. That's beautiful. I love combining literature with, with anything community-based and social justice-based because so much of literature is that. So I, oh, absolutely. I, that's, that's beautiful. Um, but yeah, how does, that, how does the Q&A process work? How do students submit questions? Well, so um, usually someone will find us uh, through whatever journey they take, usually on Google. Um, <laughs> yes. And, <laughs> You know, and um, we'll have our content in the forms of study guides and Q&A on the website. And we try to place opportunities around uh, the page as you're looking at it to ask a question yourself. Um, and if you choose to go that route, um, we do need to support our educators who are providing this content for us. Sure. So it's not free. Um, but you might see that ask a question box. You'll pop in. You will type in a question uh, such as, you know, why is Hamlet a tragic hero? Um, and then, you know, you'll input that and then we'll show you a little modal that pops up and says, Hey, like we've probably already answered this question and then we'll try to match it, you know, mm -hmm. cause if we've answered it, you know, we just want to show you the answer. We don't need yeah. to like charge you or take you through anything else. Um, but you know, if you ask a question that's not as common as that, uh, then you'll be met with a paywall and you'll have the opportunity to subscribe and that just lets you see all the content on the website. It lets you ask questions as part of a quota, um, download PDFs, like that kind of stuff. So oh, that's so cool. It, can you ask an unlimited number of questions once you've subscribed? Uh, it, it depends on how thick your wallet sure, is. Sure, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. Absolutely. Um, yeah. But everything around the Q and A, once once you get to that point where you can submit a question, yeah. Uh, then you know your question goes into our queue, and our expert educators, uh, you know, they generally stick to like the books and the subjects they know really well. Yeah. They'll see your question, they'll claim it, uh, they'll type up one of their answers, and then you'll get a notification that your question has been answered. Um, and we made a point of having, you know, like just general quality controls. We want questions to be, um, you know, of a certain length. Uh, we want them sure. to follow an in-house style guide. We want them to make sure that they are educating, uh, rather than just saying, you know, here's the answer. Yeah. Um, which is kind of nice when you're working in literature, because rarely are there just black and white answers. It's true. <laughs> you That's know? a good point. You kind of have to provide that context. Um, yeah. And then the final step that we do have is we have a team of in-house editors um, led by our wonderful executive editor, Caroline, mm -hmm. um, who oversees quality control, trains the educators, and they'll review questions just to make sure that they're fact-checked and you know the grammar is taken care of and all of the other nice little things that editors do. That's amazing because I feel like 
the internet has been at once a learning tool and so detrimental in a way to um, uh, literature education because it's so easy to get just the answer or to copy an essay. And so it's perfect that you guys are creating such an accessible tool that isn't doing that, but is actually helping students along their way. I, I like to think so. I mean, I'm I'm sure we get people uh, who copy paste, but, you know, customer service is always is always on hand. And, you know, we occasionally do get uh, teachers from around the country or world um, who write in, you know, and just want to check, you know, yeah. if somebody plagiarized something and, you know, we let them look because, you know, why not? Yeah, <laughs> you know, absolutely. We, tr we trust our process. We want to make sure that everything's above board. We're not trying to hide anything about who our educators are, like sure. it needs to be up front. Uh, and that just, yeah, we all like, we all like that aspect of the company. You know, we're not sending you questions from some back office somewhere. Right. Like these are all real people with real credentials. You can check them out. <laughs> Speaking of teachers, uh, what uh, kind of resources do you have for, for teachers on the site as well? Oh yeah. Um, they make up a small but mighty percentage uh, of our website <laughs> users and subscribers um, and we like having them around. I mean, just having teachers on the website occasionally ask questions mm -hmm. um, and provide resources for them. Just, uh, I mean, I like to think it adds a little bit more credibility to the website, but just also we're providing additional services. We're showing that this could be more than just for your, I don't know, seventh grade Poe class. <laughs> like we have stuff well into college and for educators. And so for the teachers, they can take advantage of the Q&A. Mm -hmm. um, and that seems to go in waves. Uh, but mostly what we'll do for them is we'll have comprehensive uh, like teacher-oriented study guides. And so that'll be, say, we'll call it a lesson plan yeah. for the sake of you know keeping it easy. Uh, Moby Dick, we have a lesson plan for that. It takes you through every chapter. It gives you the challenging vocab words from that chapter that a student may face. And then we'll provide uh, the teachers with uh, reading comprehension and discussion questions, uh, multiple choice tests, and then essay prompts and example essays. Um, those took a lot to make. <laughs> I'm sure. Were um, you involved in that process? I was involved in a few of them, yeah. Um, Which when ones? I joined up. Um, the one that I immediately comes to mind, uh, we covered like a lot by the time I joined up in 2016. Mm. Um, but we did... Billy Budd and the old man in the sea oh, come to Billy mind Bud. as some really good ones. Yeah, uh, I'm pleased to see that uh, Billy Budd has actually been, um, you know, getting downloaded and even on our Teachers Pay Teachers store, it's getting picked up because it's a fascinating like story. And I just always wonder, like, is anybody looking at this? I did it <laughs> right? twice in two different classes in college, so it's getting there. Oh, great! All right, I, well, that's perfect. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we do those kind of full book study lesson plans. Mm -hmm. We also do. Uh, one-off lesson plans or try to situate them in like this is one really detailed lesson complete with like pacing warm-up activities and then we'll like provide suggestions for the previous or the following lesson but definitely more like a lesson plan with timing sure. and everything um those are very detailed um and meant to be a lot more supportive the full book ones you know you can kind of use it how you want right. this one's us trying to provide a process, um, which I mostly cribbed from my own experience as a, as a teacher. I taught for about seven years. Yeah, tell me um, about that. What did you teach? I taught English. Sure. Um, I taught English as a second language and foreign language. Oh, um, four so of cool. those four of those years were in Russia. Wow. Um, and that was super fun. Um, I learned way more than I bargained for, <laughs> as you might imagine. Do you, do you speak um, Russian? 
I learned it while I was there. Wow. Yes. I mean, um, I guess that makes I, sense if you're there it. for four years. Yeah. I, you know, I, it's still there, fortunately. I don't really have anybody to practice with. Sure. Um, <laughs> Did you study literature with those students or was it mostly, you know, English uh, grammar and comprehension? Well, it was usually a mix of both sure. because um, like the way that a good like lesson is set up for like English comprehension is generally around you need some kind of input. Yeah. And uh, a lot of the books that we would use for those would provide, uh, you know, like a reading and writing focused lesson would often begin with here is a short story, a poem or an excerpt of a longer text. And then you'll read that and then you'll ask a student, you know, what's the gist of this? Um which is a very common thing in instruction, but it's also a common thing that eNotes experiences on the website. People will write in just saying like, in less colorful terms, like what the heck is going on in this passage? <laughs> you know? um, those are those are fairly common questions, yeah. um, especially if they're having to read uh, classical texts or even texts from you know modernism or the 19th century. There's a lot going on there and the style is very different from contemporary writing. Mm. And so just figuring out the gist of what's going on is a challenging skill, whether or not you grew up speaking English. It's so true. I mean, I, I think a lot of people think of Shakespeare as a second language as well. Um, do you guys get questions like that about Shakespeare? Just straight up, what is this saying? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> very, very frequently. Um, and a lot of that is located, uh, you know, quote analysis or um, section excerpts. We made a point of trying to summarize um, acts and scenes so that people can just get a general idea of what's going on, which is helpful. Um, yeah. You know, uh, we have a little side project website called owlize.org, um, and we focus on uh, we wanted to make like an, an e-reader for ourselves because we like that stuff. That's great. Um, but we ended up building in an annotation software so you can, you know, highlight a line and add an annotation for yourself. Oh, that's but then so we helpful. also decided to start. Yeah, I, I, I that is the managing editor aspect of my job is I still take care of that little website. Um, and, you know, just try to like help provide some inline context for these things because yeah. we do get a lot of questions like that on eNotes. Like, you know, um, in uh, Act One, Scene Three of Hamlet, like um, you know, what's Polonius's advice mean? I don't get it. Or right. you know, like uh, when Lady Macbeth says this to her husband, like is she like advocating for this or not? You know, yeah, so, it's, well, well, it's hard to tell if you don't have a lot of experience with that kind of text, even if you do have a lot of experience with that kind of text. It's true, and there's, I mean, think of all the famous quotes, like. You know, you might think uh, that they mean one thing, but then they don't. Um, that's true. And that's a, a non-Shakespeare question that we get a lot is, uh, you know, like related to the theme of the road not taken. Um, and, you know, that poem is so greatly misunderstood. Yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> a, a close reading, those two paths in the wood, they're the same, you know? <laughs> that's true. That's true. Yeah. Oh, that's that's um, such a good point. Yeah, and I mean, it is Romeo and Juliet. You have uh, Romeo, Romeo, wherefore art thou, Romeo? I just feel like just on reading that on a surface level, you definitely think that means where is Romeo? So just basic yeah. things like that. It's helpful to just be able to ask someone so quickly on on your site. It is, and you don't want to use a quote, you know, and have somebody say, "Well, actually," to you because that's never fun. You know. um, <laughs> And saying, I always grimace a little bit when somebody tries to use um, Polonius's to, thy own, to thine own self be true earnestly. And I'm like, you know that he's kind of telling his son to just go like do whatever the 
heck he wants. Right. And then it's telling his daughter <laughs> like, the exact opposite. <laughs> oh my gosh, I know. <laughs> yeah. Ugh, I have many thoughts. But yeah, so many thoughts. <laughs> are are those um some of the more common Shakespeare related questions that you get? Or um what would you say the most common questions are as far as Shakespeare goes anyway? Yeah, I knew that you would ask a question similar to this, so I wanted to grab, you know, our full list of like popularity and like what is the most popular Shakespeare question that yeah. we have. Um, it's interesting. This one's kind of like perennially popular, but uh, what does Lady Macbeth mean by the line, look like the innocent flower, but be the serpent under it? Interesting. Uh, and, you know, these type of, this is a popular one, but it's not an exception at all. Um, mm -hmm. There's a lot of quotes that show up and a lot of things that teachers want to focus on. Uh, this one being a simile, you know, or, you know, a metaphorical comparison sure. is important. And teachers know those things. We focus on them in our teaching guides to try to guide them as well. And so students will want to ask about all the figurative language and things like that. And, you know, we can provide a quick answer to that. Say like, you know, this line's part of a speech from Act 1, Scene 5. She's kind of telling her husband how to go about killing King Duncan, <laughs> you know, like play all innocent and be the welcoming host and no one will suspect the fact that you want to murder him. Right. Um, which you can kind of piece out, but you know, if you're reading this play and it's Macbeth, so maybe that's like ninth grade, um, sometimes sure. 10th, yeah. uh, earlier high school usually, but there are exceptions. You might read that and you might think one thing, but the muddiness of literature you kind of just want some validation you yes. know it's like well i think it's this but i don't know right like, it's kind of hard like six other assignments to do and you just gotta make sure oh absolutely you gotta try to make sure it's tough yeah it, um Macbeth is my guess definitely one of the more popular texts that people have questions about my guess would also be romeo and juliet and hamlet am i right there what else is popular you are correct <laughs> uh let's see Macbeth. people want to clarification on like the predictions of the witches oh, um yeah. romeo and juliet has a lot of uh wordcraft like questions uh so that for example the top romeo and juliet question is what are four puns from act one scene four the queen mab speech of romeo and juliet <gasps> and those type of things are fascinating because we say puns and i mean that's great i think we all kind of get it today right but a pun if you're trying to look hunt for puns in shakespeare i mean it's basically a foreign language anyway that's true. <laughs> like, that's true that's hard it's really hard <laughs> yeah and m most of those puns not always the most appropriate so an interesting assignment oh that is true <laughs> yes <laughs> i oh my gosh i remember um it's yeah romeo and juliet when we started doing line by li line by line annotation analysis of that was that for allies yeah, for allies, mm -hmm. um, and then some also work on e-notes. <laughs> I mean, you know, forgive me, but it's nothing but penis jokes. <laughs> it, it, you're correct. That is that is the intellectual analysis of Romeo and Juliet. It really is. Yeah. And it's just, I mean, I think just a lot of the work that we try to do with uh, whatever form it's in, our study guides, our Q&A, our annotations, we want to make it accessible. And one of the things you can do is, as good as the bard is... One, he's not infallible. And two, he was having fun, yeah. like a lot of the time. So we need to try to read it and have fun with it. Yes. And, you know, not all those jokes are appropriate. <laughs> Full stop. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. But it, I don't know. It made it less approachable to me both to uh, teach it and appreciate it when I realized that 
one, the context around him and like, no, no sweat Shakespeare. You guys just have phenomenal stuff around just like what was going on at the time oh, of him you. You know, writing these poems <laughs> and things to just understand it, it's pure entertainment. Oh, like, yeah. sure, there's there's some gems, but, you know, he's just providing shows for people and they just kind of want to have fun and poke fun at things. Right, and... it is not posh. <laughs> no, it is not. And that's great. And I, do, I, like, I like all the efforts around kind of dethroning Shakespeare to show that, yes, he was a mortal man yep. uh, for good or worse. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. I love that. Um, speaking of making literature fun and accessible, you also work with a uh, blog, editing service, website, and podcast called Mythcreants. So can you tell us about Mythcreants? Uh, I'd love to. Um, Mythcreants, uh, I guess in short, uh, you know, is a website, it's an online publication for fantasy and science fiction storytellers. Mm-hmm. Um, we want to focus a lot on, you know, uh, writers of speculative fiction and the craft itself a lot of us have taken creative writing classes and things like that but analyzing a story and looking at advice about the hero's journey and things like that those come from texts that are rather old and they're not necessarily focusing on good opportunities for actually writing meaningful fiction you know like plot and character development making sure there's conflict and tension and that's really what uh chris and Orrin set out to do with mythcreants and so generally when we talk about storytelling craft we want to look at examples of classic and popular works because they're classic and popular i mean we could you know we could we could poke fun at some story by an unknown writer but what purpose does that serve the goal the goal here and the segue with shakespeare is new writers or established ones they'll look to what's popular or what has staying power like the classical texts and think oh well that's a good model i should do that and to that we say well hold on (laughs) (laughs) hold on a second um i remember uh Oren, he has a good article about this, and we've probably talked about it on some podcasts, but about how uh, in King Lear, the entire Gloucester plot is unnecessary. He's like, this whole thing doesn't serve a purpose. (laughs) Gloucester, it's just just the King Lear story, but instead of, you know, having daughters, Gloucester has sons. Yeah. Full stop. It's true. (laughs) It's true. It's, yeah, it's it's just kind of a a foil um, with some bloody eyes. It kind of (laughs) is. There's the, there's the bloody eyedness, but I liked Oren's take on, you know, okay, Shakespeare's writing this and maybe he needed to like fill time or whatever, or he just really wanted to like drive home the point here yeah. um, and have, you know, these two guys kind of like both get betrayed by their kids <laughs> and, you know, and both rant about in the storm. Um, but if you're watching, if you're, you know, trying to write a story today, why would you have a side plot that's the same as the main plot? <laughs> it just takes away yeah. from it. You know, do, like there's a, there's better things to take about King Lear, like the emotional impact of like Lear's story and the drive and the Cordelia of it mm, all. And not mirroring the, uh, an unnecessary character, yeah. full stop. Um, and so that's a lot of kind of the critique that we'll do on classical works. Uh, yes. Just to try to show people that, hey, like you don't need to go... A song of ice and fire with this like sometimes simpler is better and people don't need their attention yanked this way and that like we kind of just want to stick with our favorite stories yeah on tv on i mean you know like on a tv show you know like you can tolerate that a little bit because it goes faster but reading is a little bit more effort this is true (laughs) (laughs) 
yeah so um i really i really enjoy myth creants um it's a fun it's a fun use of time uh chris and Oren are just so smart and i think that uh the angle that they bring to you know aspiring writers and then like critiquing literature is something that's missed a little bit um because we're not afraid to uh, point out valid criticisms yeah um, no, speaking of dethroning shakespeare but but in a different kind of way <laughs> yeah, no, yeah no that's great and i i know you've you also have episodes on you know things like character tragic structure literary devices which are all things that people who are studying shakespeare can use to study shakespeare you know if you're listening to a podcast about fantasy and science fiction literature you can then apply that to your study of classic texts so it's this cool <laughs> interrelated uh thing where you can you can use the classic texts in your podcast and then the podcast to go back and study the classic texts oh thank you thank you that's that's really sweet uh i guess i never quite thought about it like that but you're correct i i do know uh from my just educational background that welcome to ninth grade let's read macbeth yeah. <laughs> is is kind of weird um in the same way that i still find it a little odd that middle school you know sixth to seventh grade is when we read edgar Allan poe and, it's a little disturbing. <laughs> it is. I he uh, those those men wrote for an adult audience. It's true. And yeah. we have a we have way better choices now for age appropriate literature. Yeah. Then <laughs> I guess this is also just a question I probably should have asked at the beginning of talking about your podcast. Um, why is it called Myth Creants? Uh, I think it's an illusion. Mm. Um, and a and a play on words. I'd have to double illusion check. Illusion with, with an Chris A. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, because obviously there's, you know, that word miscreant, yes. but the myth part, um, it might connect to some kind of fandom, um, but I'll have to get like the full details. From sure, sure. We can come away. back to you on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, fantastic. Well, let's see. I'm trying to think if I have any other questions for you. Was there anything else that you wanted to share about your experience as a, an instructor or um, with eNotes or with MythCreants, any, any of that? Um, yeah, I just think that, you know, uh, MythCreants and eNotes and Allies and No Sweat Shakespeare, it's just the wealth of opportunity we have to engage with texts, uh, specifically classical ones like Shakespeare, is excellent um, and just opportunities for those kind of conversations can result in some wonderfully like productive insights. Uh, Shakespeare being very interesting because we know of the problematic plays and the sure. depiction, you know, the, the racism and things like that. Um, Absolutely. And it's a good opportunity to like point those out and then explore how the author is very dead yes <laughs> and i i i like um revisions of those stories uh the king lear one that we mentioned uh oren cited a japanese film called ran oh, r-a-n yes. by uh kurosawa that is a retelling of king lear uh, without gloucester <laughs> and it's just like great let's do that um the Hogarth Shakespeare series. I love is doing the Hogarth Shakespeare series. Tins. Wonderful stuff. Oh my oh, gosh. It's fantastic. Um, I read Hagseed and I'm reading The Gap of Time right now. And Hagseed in particular takes the Tempest into the environment of um, of a prison, a men's prison. It's and so good. Yes, which is amazing. <laughs> I, I love placing these stories in new contexts, new ways, um, you know, examining some of the more problematic elements through a productive lens it's nice it's it's refreshing and it's just a good reminder that shakespeare's for everyone yes um 
and you can do whatever you want with Shakespeare. It's <laughs> true. It's it's all in the public domain. Great. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us. It's been amazing discussing literature of all kinds from Shakespeare all the way up to, <laughs> yeah. to science fiction. Um, so this has been a blast um and everybody go check out enotes.com and uh mythcreants the website and the podcast where you'll be able to hear wesley's voice again um and thank you so much for joining us thank you emily i really enjoyed it hello and welcome to scurvy companions the no sweat shakespeare podcast my name is Emily, and today I'll be interviewing Wesley Matlock. Wesley is the project manager for eNotes.com and an avid reader of whatever he can get his hands on. Before life in editing and publishing, he spent many years teaching English language arts from Moscow, Russia to Seattle, Washington. Wesley works with a team of literature enthusiasts who seek to make reading and teaching literature as enjoyable and rewarding as possible. In addition to his work with eNotes, Wesley enjoys gardening, coffee, and talking about speculative fiction with Chris and Oren on the Mythcreants podcast. Today we'll be talking with Wesley about the mechanics of an online literature Q&A site, one slightly different from our own, how Shakespeare is taught in schools, and how the bard can be used as a point of critique for modern literary genres like science fiction. So without further ado, here is Wesley. Wesley.